What's up? My name's Sierra Andrews. Hey, I'm Lucy Lavin. And this is What What You You Missed at the WC. Okay. Welcome back. Hey. We're happy you decided to join us on this beautiful summer afternoon. It's kind of gloomy right now where we are, but uh, hopefully it's sunny wherever y'all are listening to this. Today, we wanted to talk about Snap. What is SNAPS, Lizzie? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Okay, SNAPS stands for Supplemental Nutrition Assistant Program. It was commonly still known as food stamps, like literal stamps people had that assist them with purchasing food. Mm -hmm. We've seen it in media a lot, but like not a lot of people know like actually like, you know, what food stamps or now like, you know, SNAPS are Mm -hmm. and like what it looks like to students or like people in our community. Right. I think a lot of people still think those who receive benefits literally still carry around those physical stamps. In reality, it's just, it looks like a debit card Mm -hmm. and it's just assisting with food. And today we kind of wanted to talk about it because we've been talking with the Food Bank of Lincoln about this and specifically college students and their eligibility with SNAP. We received a lot of stats and info from them, which we're really grateful for. But 36% of college students overall identify as food insecure, and 50% of those eligible college students for SNAP nationwide are not connected to SNAP. Um, So it seems like there is a need for it, yet... People just don't know where to look. Right. They don't know that it's available to them, like, and maybe, you know, 36 are food insecure, identify as food insecure. And we do have, like, the food bank here, Mm -hmm. like, the food pantry through UNL. Once you leave college, you're going to need to know where you can get those resources. Right. And Yes. And I think there is a lot of gross misconceptions about SNAP and about just government assistant programs in general, but specifically SNAP. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that's federal government money. Mm -hmm. Um, It's helping when people are doing that like it's just gonna go elsewhere that money that they have set aside it isn't conserved for our state it's federal money it's all the dollars on that snap card are like coming from the federal government and they're meant to be used yes like absolutely and um with that gross misinterpretations of like the program and genuine confusion of like where that money comes from um the assistance that needs to happen. Um, I think that trickles down into day-to-day society of like language and attitude around assistance, especially like SNAP or needing Mm -hmm. that type of assistance. Um, And there's a lot of stigma around that receiving those benefits. And I think that can shy people away as well. It used to be way worse too, like with Mm -hmm. the food stamps Mm -hmm. and stuff they like purposely made them very colorful like very like shaming you know that people use those it was like seen looked down on in society but it's a lot more discreet now yes it's a lot more probably accessible to like it's you know fill out a form like find the resources you can get it it's not like it used to be yeah don't be afraid to yes and some ways to be just Just be aware of your language and attitude. I know that there's still stigma around it. Like, it is discreet now. It just looks like a credit card. If you're in a grocery line, you're not bringing out snaps. You're swiping a card. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people want to still be not nice about it. Like, oh, I needed to see your ID if you're going to use that. You don't need to see ID to use a snap card. Yeah. Something to be uh, wary about. Um, A disclaimer for this whole episode, we're going to talk about eligibility and filling out SNAPs, especially as college students. 
but we are not eligibility experts. Just when in doubt, fill it out. That's <laughs> what we were told. But in no way are we experts of that, of knowing your specific situation and if you're eligible or not. But we say when in doubt, fill it out because mixed immigration statuses, still living with your parents, um, varying scenarios, especially as a college student that we see, are usually seen as like not eligible for SNAPs. I think we paint a picture of who's eligible for SNAP, um, but that might not be the case, you know? Mm -hmm. So State Senator Megan Hunt here in Nebraska is introducing LB-121. You want to tell us a little bit about that, Lizzie? Yeah. So um, LB-121 just would remove a lifetime ban on the SNAP program for individuals with certain drug-related convictions. Mm -hmm. Right now, there's a lifetime ban if you have um, drug convictions, prior drug convictions, regardless of when you got them, how much time, rehabilitation, regardless, there's a lifetime ban on you being eligible for SNAP benefits. Wow. Yes. That's so intense. That's so intense. Lifetime ban? Lifetime ban. Right now, it's at that, and this bill would remove that lifetime ban. That sounds so important. Yes. I feel like there's so much going around about, or not so much going around. I feel like this would, could be a whole other podcast topic, but just how hard it is to reenter society like as a felon. and not For even, drug convictions. For drug convictions, and not even be able to live a sustainable like lifestyle after that, like not be able to like afford food and not get snaps. Like that's its own other thing, but I feel like it's so important to introduce that. And you were lucky enough to talk to Megan Hunt. Yes. Weren't you? I was. <laughs> I'm so sad I missed out. I was in class yeah. doing finals, but. Yeah, I hope you all survived finals. <laughs> Me and Sierra survived finals while doing that. I talked to State Senator Megan Hunt. It was a lot to unpack mm-hmm. because of these two issues are deeply ingrained in like how our country can be racist and such a systemic issue yes and so here's state senator megan hunt she represents district eight of lincoln nebraska she's introducing lb121 and here's her talking a little bit more about that but i wanted to interview you because in your legislation agenda which is beautiful but um the lb121 and lb356 so expanding access to SNAP benefits for individuals with prior drug conviction. And then um, the other one is like SNAP comparable disqualifications. Mm -hmm. I just kind of wanted to talk about that today and um, your interest with SNAP specifically in legislation. Sure. So um, I don't know a lot about like the legal stuff behind SNAP in terms of like who's qualified and how you apply. And it's like very, very complicated in Nebraska. And that's honestly by design, right? Because we know that the more friction we put in the system, the harder it is for people to use it. And, you know, that's certainly a goal of people who oppose SNAP benefits and who oppose increasing SNAP benefits for people who face food insecurity. I have been on SNAP off and on throughout my life. When I got divorced in 2012, I had a two-year-old baby, and that was the first time that I qualified for SNAP, and it was such a help. I was struggling really for the first time in my life. I couldn't pay my rent. I didn't have any reliable income. I was just hustling all the time. And just to know that at least I didn't have to worry about groceries was such a weight off my shoulders. And two or three other times in my life, you know, 
you get into like a harder time and you qualify for SNAP again and take advantage of that benefit for a couple months and then get back on top of things. And it's just a really great safety net to have in our society and in our communities to keep low-income families afloat. Yes. It's been a huge help to my family. So this is the third year that I've introduced a bill like LB-121. And what that bill does is it expands access to food assistance for everybody in Nebraska who would qualify. A lot of people don't realize that in Nebraska, we have taken advantage of a federal option to say that if somebody has a conviction for drug possession, use, or distribution, they have a lifetime ban from being able to receive SNAP. So in practicality, what that means, and we've been hearing many, many more of these stories over the last year with the pandemic, is you know, I can use the story of a woman named Leanne to illustrate this, and she's given me permission to talk about her story, but Leanne is in her 50s. She has some teenage kids, and she has a kid who's like 10. And she's single, she's worked her whole life. She's, you know, nothing, you know, tough about her life really. It's just hard times because of the pandemic. And she applied for SNAP for the first time because of course many people are becoming system involved for the first time with this pandemic. And she was denied benefits because of a, a drug possession conviction when she was 19. And it was marijuana. And so that's another thing is that like people are, are paying the price still in 2021 for using cannabis, which is legal in so many states now completely. And because of these draconian laws, like very old fashioned values that the laws are based on, you know, people are being punished for things that aren't even illegal anymore and that actually end up having really detrimental effects on their children. So it's not even the quote unquote drug user or quote criminal unquote that we're punishing, it's their children and the families that they do have. So I think it's very important that we change that policy and we say, look, if you have a drug conviction, once you have served your time and paid your debt to society, uh, you can reintegrate and live life like anybody else. You can apply for Medicaid, you can apply for SNAP, you can do whatever it is you wanna do. Another interesting thing about this policy is that it only applies to SNAP. So like I said, if you have a drug conviction, you can get Medicaid, you can get aid to dependent children, you can do literally anything else, just not get food assistance. And if you have any other type of conviction, like you know any kind of assault or murder or child abuse or anything like that, you are not banned from getting SNAP. So it's really just these drug convictions. And it really says something about the kind of draconian moralistic BS that these things are based off of. The other bill you mentioned, LB-356, um, I just introduced it for the first time this year, and it's in response to another problem that a lot of people were having accessing food assistance during the pandemic. Nebraska takes advantage of another rule that says if someone is disqualified from Medicaid or any other federal program, that they could also be disqualified from SNAP, even though they still technically qualify on paper. These are things that conservative government does to take benefits away from people who otherwise qualify for them. And you know that's just another thing that stands in the way of, of families getting support they need. Nebraskans should understand that SNAP is federally funded. So when we 
pass bills like my LB-121 to help people with drug convictions or my 356 to help people who've been disqualified from other programs but who still qualify for SNAP, that doesn't cost Nebraska taxpayers anything in terms of it doesn't draw anything down from our state funds. This is just coming out of taxes that we already pay to the federal government. So what I say to opponents to these bills, like Governor Ricketts, like many of my colleagues, if you don't take advantage of this federal money for food assistance, it's just gonna go somewhere else. Nebraskans are paying in the same amount and it's paying for food assistance for people in Iowa who don't have this rule or people in Kansas who don't have this rule or California or New York or Florida who doesn't have this rule anymore. And so we're actually cheating the Nebraska taxpayers by not modernizing our laws because the taxpayers in Nebraska are paying for this food assistance for everybody else but ourselves. So on many levels, it makes sense to pass. Yeah, I uh, that's awesome work. And I, I think about all the conversations I've had with the uh, Food Bank of Lincoln about um, our staff resources. So I got a point of contact to our women's center that helps uh, people fill out SNAP forms. And I think a, a large conversation that I continue to have around SNAP is just destigmatizing and um, really applying it, I think there's so much stigma around it or a lot of shame around it. A lot of this like narrative that you kind of talk about, it's just like, I think a, a, these bills do destigmatize a lot and humanize like the resources that are available that um, we should be utilizing. So I think that's awesome. With this part of the interview, I was thinking a lot about what state Senator Megan Hunt was talking about. With this bill is this surrounding of um, stigma of like food insecurity specifically. And I think one of the root problems of especially college students being eligible but not receiving those benefits or seeking out that connection or vice versa, like people connecting to college students about food insecurity is just not being able to identify with that and say you need assistance. The stigma leads to these misconceptions that build all the way up to our state senators who are passing our laws. And I feel like there's so much, like people don't understand, the government is supposed to take care of the citizens. You shouldn't feel shameful for asking for help to simply live. Like food is a basic necessity that everyone should we have all a right need to. It. We all need it. And if someone isn't able to provide food for themselves, they should take advantage of the government providing that food for them. And there's no shame in it. It's just basic necessities. It's what should be like the government should be offering more food, more assistance. Like we have a long way to go. But this is like one of the stepping stones of being able to receive food if you are food insecure. Like this is a basic human right. There's no shame in requiring something to live, you know? Yeah. And what we see of food insecurity feels so out of touch, at least I know like there's been points in my life where I've been food insecure and it didn't take me until after being out of that situation to see that I was like I never mm -hmm. identified with it until looking back and being like, oh, maybe that was. Yeah. And I think a lot of college students may feel that way as well, because there isn't that representation of like I am in college and this is what I need. And our society pushes diet on us, or not diet as in like, you know, what you eat, what you consume in such an unhealthy way where they shame people for eating one thing or not being able to afford maybe healthy food. And so they resort to the cheapest options, which would be like drive-through fast food 
or like spending like on the cheapest possible food rather than being able to afford like healthy ingredients that take care of your body absolutely it's so popularized especially in college to eat like crap and to like never eat or eat the, never eat and eat the like just like eat just fast ramen food. just fast food like it's such a like idea of like what being in college is it um, is but they like you... romanticize it they romanticize yes. not being able to afford food not being able to eat good food it's like oh you're supposed to be eating ramen for every meal and no shame no shame against ramen no i shame, love no ramen yes like it's so good it's great meal that shouldn't be your only option but it shouldn't be your only option you shouldn't just be living off of ramen and spaghetti right and eggs like yeah the cheapest foods or maybe just like you know dollar menu and and if we really want to get deep into it we are in a higher education space Mm -hmm. and think about all the barriers that are in place to where they know who they're bringing into those spaces people have to fight their way to be in that space Mm -hmm. to the point where it's like hey i'm food insecure hey i'm housing insecure i need assistance bottom line it's not met it's centered around stigma and it it's really heartbreaking because you're fighting so hard to be within this world mm-hmm. of like higher education that sometimes can't feel like home that can't feel like people are in your corner that and if are... you don't have the food to take care of yourself yeah. that makes it feel even worse absolutely because that's what you put into your body like that's what you use to get through the day that is like nurturing you a thousand percent people don't acknowledge like how important food is enough I don't think I think that we see food so much as um a privilege or being able to eat good food as a privilege you know and it's in our social media media movies whatever too it's like oh you know you got to eat a well-balanced meal you got to get all your greens and get the nicest produce or whatever yeah and yes there are some options to eat healthy on a low budget Mm -hmm. but without but some people still need the extra government assistance to get there. And there's no shame in that because you should take care of yourself. You should take care of your body. And you should, that's what the government should be doing. They should be giving you money Absolutely. to do that, the resources to do that. Yes. And it, it kind of just, again, this bill being here, we're at a PWI, predominantly white institution. Mm-hmm. And there's this bill that um, Senator Hunt even said is having troubles going through this year passing this year the odds don't look great for lb121 we we've had earlier podcasts talking about how we want to be allies in a pwi and to um make room and spaces for um people of color black indigenous and yet we are struggling to pass like a local bill that relates to race in like poverty and Mm -hmm. we're we're still struggling to get to that yeah. point like like you said like rehabilitation is not in the the picture right now there's a lifetime ban on receiving snap benefits receiving food you need food you need assistance with food but if you have a marijuana charge sorry and you know who they're charging with marijuana charges black people yes it all comes back to the systemic racism that our society has been built upon drug charges mostly like the legalization of marijuana and how people are opposed to it or the inequity of people you know people of color in prison for drug charges versus white people that get the same charges it's ridiculous it's i feel like that's been 
around for so long and there's been no change. Mass incarceration's real. Mass incarceration. There's still a new prison was just built in Omaha and they're still being built and overpopulation is a problem. There's so lack many of rehabilitation. Lack of, lack of rehabilitation, capitalizing it on private prisons of using like, slave labor. Yes, in those prisons. Yep, and it, it's it's sad that even at like this level of like, okay, you were convicted for your crime, you are in society now. I need food. I need assistance with food. That we at our state level are struggling to pass that bill. It says a lot about how, how much, much more work yes. we need to do this. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I talked to Senator Hunt about being an activist, being a local young activist and what's out there and that there is hope. Um, And she talks a little bit about that. Let's hear it now. I wonder, is there anything that you like push out for college students to do, um, early activists to do to get involved with the local community? Absolutely. You know, what you say about the stigma is absolutely true. And it really surprises me. It feels really improbable, actually. When I talk to my colleagues in the legislature, there's 49 of us, I haven't found anybody else who's ever been on food stamps. And that really surprises me because it feels like, you know, maybe when you were growing up, was your mom on food stamps or like, When you were younger, did you need assistance in any way? And I really haven't found anybody. I think that Senator Moorfeld's mother used food stamps when he was very young, but that's all I could really find. And because people aren't close to the policy, they've never had to fill out a form to apply for benefits like this. They don't know what it's like. I have colleagues who think that food stamps or SNAP is literally a stamp, that that folks are still walking around with a wallet full of stamps for meat and bread and stuff like that. And probably because A, that's what they saw when they were young in the 60s or whatever. And B, it's kind of when you call it food stamps, it contributes to this kind of misinformation and misunderstanding about what the program actually is. And so when we were debating this bill on the floor and I pulled out my SNAP card, It's just an EBT card. You know, it looks like a credit card. And that's a really great thing to fight stigma too, because then people who use SNAP in the grocery store aren't really singled out by other people shopping. They don't go, oh, look at her up in the front of the line, pulling her stamps out of her wallet. Like she's just swiping a card like everyone else. And I had colleagues who didn't even know that that's how it worked. They were asking questions of me like, oh, but aren't you worried that people can trade their food stamps for drugs? Like, No, the EBT card that you get is nothing you can trade and it's just as secure as a credit card. Like you have to sign your signature, you gotta put in your pin. Some some clerks at grocery stores who are super judgmental of people in poverty, people using SNAP, they'll ask you for your ID and it's like, you don't need to be IDing people using SNAP. But all of these things I'm talking about just speak to the general stigma that we have in society, which certainly trickles up to lawmakers who frankly don't know what they're talking about when we talk about food insecurity because they've never gone through it and they've never tried to learn about it. So the best thing for students to do to help is contact your elected official and ask them to support it and really lean on them. Say, not just do you support it, but where is it in committee now? Has it been voted out to the floor? When do you think it will be scheduled? Like the more questions you can ask about the process of passing it, the more the elected official understands how important it is to you. Another great thing you can do is write letters to the editor. That's kind of an under, you know, appreciated method of activism, I think, because 
older people read the newspaper. And the more we can kind of normalize, you know, these types of assistance and these types of benefits and destigmatize them, the more people's minds change. And that's really important. I think that letters to the editor are an amazing advocacy tool. And finally, I would say get involved with local nonprofits who are doing the work and who are frankly picking up the, the slack that government is not picking up. You know, you mentioned uh, the Lincoln Food Bank, Food Bank of the Heartland, Nebraska Appleseed. Um, there's many local nonprofits, like in Omaha, we have the Malcolm X Foundation and they do a lot around this, but those organizations are really the leaders on this and they can give you more guidance about how you can help in a way that's actually effective today. That's awesome. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. That was perfect for the podcast. I'm so appreciative that Senator Megan Hunt shared this with us. Me too. And, you know, there is hope. Mm -hmm. There is something to look forward to. And we still have time for this bill. I think life can be really hard and get the resources you can. There shouldn't be the stigma or embarrassment or all the gross negative things around this. If you if you need resources, go after them. And with that, let's talk about some resources available specific to filling out SNAP forms. Yeah. Very recently, yes. um, Husker Hub is now trained and available to assist in filling out those SNAP forms. And you can contact us as well at the Women's Center, and we can get you hooked up with Husker Hub or with the Food Bank of Lincoln and we can get you on the right path to filling out those SNAPs form because yes. at the, you deserve food. You deserve to be taken care of. And there's... End of story. End yes. of story. Like, that is it. And there's no shame in it. Not at all. Ever. And you know what? Like we are talking earlier, with LB121, there is so much, you know, we have a long way to go when it comes to race issues within Nebraska, within our legislation, within SNAPs. But we are working forward. You know, we have people on our team like Senator Megan Hunt. We have people that are fighting for more equity when it comes to these government assistance programs. So, and if you, and if you're just questioning it or like we're not eligibility experts, but just please talk to us. There, there should be no shame or embarrassment around it. Just. Mm -hmm. Like Sierra said, you deserve to eat. You deserve to not be stressed about that. There's so many things to stress about, and food should not be one of them. Again, contact us. We can help you connected to Husker Hub. We have a point of contact with the Food Bank of Lincoln. I've met with her. Everyone has the resources to help you. We're not eligibility experts, but then again, when in doubt, fill it out. And that being said, this summer, I hope you are well-fed yes. and take care of yourself and your stomach and your heart and your brain. Yeah, I hope it's filled with yummy food and sun. Well, thanks for joining us again on this beautiful Friday afternoon. <laughs> yep. Wherever you are, I hope it's beautiful. And we look forward to seeing you later. Yeah. I'm Sierra. I'm Lizzie. And, and that's, that's what, what you missed at, at the WC. WC. Bye. Bye.